how do I keep deals together? What are the foundations about keeping deals together? And how do I reduce my blow up rate? Hey, this is Blake Sloan. I've been selling real estate over 14 years. Our team of highly trained professionals along with our unmatched marketing has sold thousands of homes here in the Myrtle Beach area. And this is how we do it. Deals blow up, but what, what do you think the problem is with, with deals blow up? What do you think um, the, the overall issue is that, that agents have uh, from a mindset standpoint? Even before that, people tend to blame it on the person, the buyer, or the seller instead of themselves, right? And so if you have a high blow-up rate that's anything higher than anybody else, then what happens is ultimately, whose fault is it? Sure, if people don't own that, talking about this, and we talked about this in the last time I trained on it, uh, we had one agent one year had $96,000 in commission that blew up but they didn't think they were doing anything different than anybody else, right? So you're talking almost six figures of commissions and blow-ups uh, just in one single person, but that's a un, it's basically an Achilles heel, right? It's a way that you don't really realize because you're just focusing on putting deals under, putting deals under, putting deals under, but you're not watching your offer acceptance ratio to offer close ratio, right? Or basically under contract to close. And so it's a very important ratio to watch and you want to be hyper aware of what your, your overall blow-up rate is uh, because most of the time it can be controlled. Okay, at least if you're talking about over 40, 50 deals. Does that make sense? Or 30, 40 deals in one year. That percentage makes a big difference when you're talking about less than 10% or 20%. Okay, um, and a lot of extra money to your bottom line. But what I found is the same people have the same problems over and over and over. And it comes down to just their relationship with the client and how they're managing the psychology of the client. It's emotional purchase. It's by far the most emotional purchase or sale that anyone has in their life really. Why? Because they live in it, they raise their kids in it, it's sacred to them. And so what happens is everyone's so attached to that and it's a big ticket item with a long sales cycle. So if I have a big ticket item that's got a long sales cycle, right? That means there's a lot more emotions involved and there's a lot more buyer's remorse. Expectations, this is by far the biggest part here is expectations. Now, what does that mean? So anytime I get problems that come to me or issues or whatever, a lot of times it makes me just wonder like, how do these people get so far out in left field when we know that's not really the case, but they believe this is what's reality, right? And so reality comes down to there's two main things that aren't being done correctly. You have to do two main things uh, continuously and very proactively the entire time, okay? You want to be very, very meticulous about setting expectations and managing the expectations. What does that mean, you think? What are the difference there? So yeah, in the beginning, I gotta always set expectations. What I find is people don't really set clear expectations. They think they do, but ultimately they don't. Because what happens is you're not understanding or under aware of what the conversations they're having behind the scenes with their wife, with their husband, with their family, whatever it is. And so a lot of times the expectations aren't there. It's a great reminder to ask yourself and go back and analyze your past couple deals and just be hyper aware of what are my, my expectations I'm setting with my clients, meaning that, what, what does that mean, set expectations, you think? Take, we take, we take uh, for granted sometimes how, how difficult this is and how big ticket item this is because they're doing it every single day, right? It's like flying. Anybody fly, you get kind of scared of flying? Anybody fly, get scared of flying? I get scared of flying sometimes. I'm not scared a lot, right? I mean, I, I fly a lot. I still get scared sometimes. But guess who doesn't really get that scared? The pilots. The, you ever see the... The flight attendants here? No, why? Because they're doing like six flights a day, every day, and they're just used to that, so they feel a bump, they don't really worry about it, right? But what happens is your client feels a bump when they freak out and think the whole shit's crashing. And so part of us, is, what we have to do is just make sure that we're very meticulous about 
setting expectations, especially in the beginning, newer people just want to get a deal, get a deal, and they want to throw it up there. But what happens is everything else falls apart. The easiest part is just getting under contract. Now, then the hard part is how do I get from under contract to actually close because there's a lot of things you have to navigate in that part, okay? And so the key parts I want you to take from this is one, set expectations, and number two is manage expectations. The key part here is I've got to constantly make sure I manage that, which I like to look at as I measure it, and then I, I obviously I, I remind them or, or manage it. So in other words, I'm, I'm taking kind of a, an awareness poll to myself of like, where are they at with this? Are they getting off track? Are they on track? And so I'm constantly re-saying it or repeating it because I have to ingrain it in their mind overall in that scenario, right? So very important piece here. This is gonna go along with the second piece here, which is the pre-frame. This is probably the most important thing is pre-frame. What does pre-frame mean, you think? I'm always telling what's going to happen before it happens is a great way to look at it. I want you guys to look at two things here. Number one, I'm telling them constantly the roadmap. I want you to look at it as a roadmap. Am I giving my people a clear roadmap of here's what's happening, here's what's going on, here's what's going to happen first. I see this happening in two main issues. Number one, it happens in the home inspection, right, where a lot of deals blow up because the expectations aren't managed. It's easy stuff, but it happens. And the second one is lending. I've even talked to somebody recently who was a, a client of somebody here, and they're bitching about the lender stuff, right? They're complaining about how much the lender wants, right? And this happens with everybody, because why? The lender wants everything, but that's just the reality of the, the lending landscape now. But if we're not telling our client that, they're getting super triggered about the lender asking for stuff, and then you re recommend that lender, and then all of a sudden now they're triggered towards you, all because that the lender is doing what they do in every single loan. But we're not taking the time to manage the expectation and pre-fray them. Hey, look, your lender is going to ask you anything and everything. If they want to copy your birth certificate when you're seven years old, you get that shit to them. You know why? Because you don't have $350,000 cash in your bank account, and you're borrowing this shit from somebody else who's taking a bet on you, and they're going to need the information to make good decisions so they can take that loan and sell it off to somebody else. And part of the pre-frame is telling a story in the roadmap, hey, that loan you're getting from that mortgage person, here's what happens. They take that and they actually service that. They're going to sell that loan off on the open market and that loan that you have has to be marketable. And so for them to have a marketable loan for, for you, they have to go through this thing called underwriting. Underwriting is going to make sure they get all the information. They go under, under every crack, under cre every crevice to make sure that you're qualified and you're not hiding anything. So just know this is normal, but just do whatever you need to do. And once you're past, it's going to be worth it. Okay? And you're already building equity right now in the property because prices are still going up. And so part of this is the pre-frame of telling the roadmap what's going to happen and explaining the why behind it. The other thing I want to look at, too, is I'm making sure I'm pre-framing their emotions. Why? Because this is such an emotional sale. That's the biggest reason that, that things fall apart. And so pre-frame for you guys, I want you to look at what a pre-frame ultimately comes down to. A pre-frame is a container for the mind. What do you think that means? Container for the mind. That's a, it sets boundaries in the mind of like what's going to happen and where they're, they're not going to go. And so for me, if I can set that boundary ahead of time through a story or through what's going to happen and tell them what's going to happen, it keeps it from getting too far out of bounds. And so what happens when most deals fall apart is they get too far out of bounds, meaning that the fear and the stories and everything becomes so ignited in fire, it just keeps growing and growing and growing until all of a sudden they get scared and shut down. And so my job is telling, hey, look, you're going to get very emotional about this. This is the largest purchase most people make, and so it's a very emotional purchase. So just know, John and Susie, you're going to have buyer's remorse. Everyone gets buyer's remorse, but I want to let you guys know you made a great decision, and here's what's going to happen going forward. The third piece here, 
Uh, what we're going to do is very similar, but it's not quite the preframe. It's a forecast. The forecast. What do you think that means? Yep, I'm telling them overall the bumps and the roadblocks to look forward to. The bumps and roadblocks to look forward to. It's very important to understand that because what happens is, why is this important to forecast this? I like that. Prepare when it happens. So the reality is when I forecast this, any bumps, any roadblocks, it lessens the blow. And so if I tell them, hey, look, this is what's going to happen here. You're going to feel this way here, whatever it is, it's going to lessen the blow. This also could be in two main parts, the lending piece and also in the home inspection piece. Here's where our bumps are. Here's where our roadblocks are. Here's what happens. And this is the thing we talk about all the time. Uh, the, the best analogy I've seen in real estate is flying an airplane, right? You have captains who are very... Communicate, I guess they communicate very well, and they say what's going to happen, and all of a sudden you feel better when you have turbulence. But if the captain doesn't say shit, and all of a sudden you have turbulence, what do you think? How do you feel? The whole plane's going down. We're all going to die. The fourth piece of this, it's important, right? We want to make sure from an expectation standpoint is the reality of the market. I want to have the conversation specifically reality of the market. What does that mean? How is that different now than it was just a year or two ago? Here's the reality of the market. Inventory is still very, very low. Inventory is still almost at an all-time low. It's at two, you know, 2.4 months, depending on where you're looking at data-wise. And so I want to tell them, hey, look, historically, inventory is at four to five months. It's still very, very low. So even though the market slowed down a little bit, there's a lot less choices for you out there as a home buyer. Why is that? Well, most home sellers are locking at 2 and 3%. Rates are a little bit higher now. So guess what the home sellers don't want to do? Don't want to sell. So there's less options for you. We've been looking for you for two or three months. We found this one. <laughs> So based on the reality of the market, the last thing we want to do is jump out of this house and try to find something else over something very small in a home inspection. I'm having that conversation with them, pre-framing them, because what do they want to do? One little thing pops up on the home inspection, they think the house is not perfect, what do they want to do? They want to jump ship and go somewhere else. Is energy. Energy. Whatever energy you have is magnified to your client. Why? Because you're taking energy that you have plus their energy plus their fear is a multiplier on the back end of what their energy is. And so they have this one little thing that's like a gasoline covered thing of energy that's wrapped up in fear, which is the gasoline. And then you put your match of fear on top of that. And what happens? It just lights up and blows up. And so you have to be very, very, very aware of making sure that you as the agent are very intentional about managing your energy. So no matter what happens, especially now if you're in a place of scarcity, you only have a few deals, you're going to freak out because you've already got that money spent in your head. And so what happens is a lot of times you need that money. And so you're so hyped up and so worried about the deal that you can't help but to subconsciously transfer the energy to the other client. And then all of a sudden they get fear, especially if you come from a place of need. They're going to get more scared and feel like it's a, it's a setup where pressure and they're going to want to back off. And so just be able to check yourself and say, all right, what's my energy? If you got to go walk around the block, walk around the building, whatever it is, make sure you get energy clear and you want to bring the energy. The second part is energy of certainty. Energy of certainty. They crave your certainty. Your buyers, your sellers in the transaction 
crave your certainty. Why? Because it's really the best antidote for their fear, which they have the entire time. They're worried about the deal falling through. They're worried about things happening. They're worried about being screwed over. They're worried about paying too much. They're worried about for selling too low. There's all these stories and things that people have. And so what happens if you let enough stories creep up and stack on top of each other, what happens is that certainty they have goes very, very low. And all of a sudden, everything's a battle. Everything's an issue. And so they're craving your certainty as an agent. I talk about this all the time. No matter what happens, what do you say to them? No big deal. All right? 40-page home, uh, home inspection, 50-page home inspection. Hey, no big deal. That's the attitude you want to have when you want to say, look, no big deal. We're going to go through ask for a few things. And so no matter what you have, you want to have a cool, calm, collected energy of no big deal. And you want to use that language with your clients because that's an NLP-type uh, phrase that's triggering their subconscious that this is not a big deal. And then I follow whatever the plan is going forward. Okay, very, very important piece there overall. Third piece here, I want to make sure I'm managing their energy. Manage their energy. What does that mean there? Yes. An example of that would be what? He tells you, hey, you tell them to kiss my ass, right? Whatever it is, hey, no big deal. This happens all the time. Let's don't do that. Let's just get the deal done. We're already this far in. It's supposed to close in a couple weeks. And so I go back and just reiterate and tell the story, and I don't let them get out of control. Now, he, thankfully, he is pretty cool and, and calm, and trust me. But a lot of times, you get people that are firecrackers, and they're people that are very difficult to deal with. It's much more difficult to manage their energy and manage their emotions. And so I want to be what? Hyper aware of what their emotions are. I want you guys to think through, especially on the buy side, what are the stories behind the scenes they're telling themselves that I'm not worried about? What are they telling their wife or husband when I'm not on the phone with them? I want to think about that so I can get ahead of that game and make sure I'm managing their emotions with stories. And I'm very, very aware of what they're doing because if I let it go long, on too long, what happens? It gets out of control and it's unfixable. And so I don't want to get to a point where it's unfixable. I've got to make sure I manage it early and often, okay, which is very, very important for us to look at. And so that leads me to the next part. And here, Yeah, I had this part here. Uh, is make sure you guys are understanding their stories. This is part of the same one. Understanding their stories, which also means if they start telling me these things that are in left field or what these challenges are, I want to kind of dig into what that is because they're going to lead me into what they're really having the conversation behind my back. And so part of this third piece here is understanding their stories and make sure you guys dig into that a little bit more. You do that with questions like, hey, tell me a little bit more about that, whatever it is. Because most times their stories are misguided. They're not really the truth. They're just wrapped up in a big ball of emotion, and every little thing is setting them off. And so I want to make sure I manage that in that piece. Now, the fourth part of this, which is very important, is I must collide early and often. Early and often. What does that mean? Get it out of the way before it escalates. Yes, before it escalates the key part. So... What happens if I started noticing that they're in this place of fantasy that's not true, I have to collide very, very early. If I suspect their, their expectations a little bit out of line, I have to collide early. Now, what people tend to do is they avoid the collision, right? Because people sometimes don't like conflict. And so what happens is if I let it go on too long, what happens? It's out of control. I can't get them reeled back in. And so they're all of a sudden saying, oh, F this buyer, F this seller. They want too much, whatever it is. And that's so I make sure that I'm colliding early and often, which is super important, and I'm very, very hyper aware, right, of making sure that I'm always constantly taking them from fantasy to fact. Why is it so much so that in real estate, everyone seems so crazy? 
Why is that? Because everything is so emotional. It's the largest emotional purchase they have, the largest emotional sale they have. Yep. Communication. Communication is the next key part. This is where the ball gets dropped really next. What do you think people mess up the most? You had a really good answer last time. They don't talk to them, they just send text messages, right? So you can't have this highly emotional purchase that people are wrapped up in emotion like, you know, bombs about to go off and you're sending them text messages. Why? Because their perception, their glasses, the way they're seeing the world is wrapped up in a lot of emotion and fear. And so everything you're sending them is coming through a different lens and the lens they see it in is based in fear and anger and mistrust. And so what's happening is they're misreading your communication a lot of times if you're just sending text messages. That's why it doesn't work. They get very frustrated. That's why deals fall apart. And it's not one text message that kills the deal. What it is is a series of two or three communication instances via text messages that all of a sudden it becomes unsavable. And all of a sudden they want to back out. Okay? And if this is how it comes where they falls apart, home inspection, they want to back out. Because what do they tell you? They don't just really say, hey, look, all this stuff failed. They say, well, we don't really need the house. We're not going to go forward with it. You know, whatever it is. Or if they just back out for no real reason and you're not really sure about it, it's one of those things that you've dropped the ball somewhere in communication. Number one, understanding where they're at. And number two, making sure to manage their expectations going forward. And so the key part here, right, is making sure through communication, I'm managing space. Space is a killer in terms of deals falling apart when I'm going along with buyers on the buyer side. Even on the seller side. Space is the big number one killer. What does that mean? When the pilot doesn't communicate with somebody on there, they're not updating on what's going on, guess what? People are freaking out. And so the more I communicate, right, the less they freak out. And so here's the deal. Every deal has turbulence. Unfortunately, we're not in an airplane that has no turbulence, right? Every deal is going to have issues, roadblocks, hurdles, challenges. And so part of what I do is I have to be very proactive in terms of my communication with them. Second big thing, if they're calling you for updates, guess what? You're not calling them enough. The next piece here I actually have is make sure I'm very, very proactive. They're always wanting to know what the next step is. And so I'm in my communication, I'm always communicating. Here's what's happening. Here's what's happening next. Here's what's happening. Here's what's happening next. Why I'm keeping their mind in the loop. And so they have the next thing to look forward to. It's just a technical piece of how the process works where I'm here to help guide them in this and remind them, hey, I'm the expert here. I'm going to guide you through it. No big deal. I know it's an emotional roller coaster. I know you're going to have fear. I know you're going to talk to people that are going to you know, try to neg you out, whatever it is. I want to make sure I'm going through in that scenario. Third piece here, make sure I'm responsive. Responsive. If I'm not responsive sometimes, what happens? The bomb goes off. And so what it means, if they're reaching out or they have issues, things happening, i got to be very responsive in terms of my time because that means it's a critical point in the transaction that can make or break the home sale or the home purchase. And so I want to respond quickly and making sure I can neutralize whatever that is or answer the question in their mind before it gets too far out. The biggest reason people back out or quit responding or they don't follow through with their lender, whatever it is, is because the fear sets in and they allow the stories they have in their head to justify them backing out or them moving on or them not going through with the deal. Okay? It's important for me to understand I got to be very hyper-responsive to what's going on. I don't got to just respond to you know, all day, every day, everything. But I want to be sensitive to what's happening and really look at myself and my time and my reactionary time. And sometimes it'll be an uncomfortable conversation. But I know that that's way more important because I want to get paid on the back end. Okay? Very, very important piece here.
understanding. The third piece, or third piece of, of fourth piece of communication right here is I want to make sure I'm aware of the reframe. I'm constantly reframing in this process. What does that mean? The pre-frame and the reframe. I'm setting frames that are inside of frames. I've pre-framed and pre-framed, right? I've been going through that process, but what happens is as roadblocks come up and issues come up, they've forgotten about the things that happen. Because you need repetition in terms of that because your subconscious mind is still wrapped in fear. And so if I can put on top of his conscious mind of how it's a good decision, what's happening, reframe them on it being a good decision. And here's why. And it needs to be specific to them so I can check the box off in their mind of why it's a good idea. Okay? So write that down. Good decision or great decision. How do you look at it? And here's why. It's going to give you a place to build home equity, right? You're going to build your family here. You can have a place you can raise your children in. You have a nice backyard that's fenced in, right? All those things. The guy I was talking about recently was worried about the lender. Guess what I started doing? Asked him what he liked best about it, what was most important. And he's talked about how he can have a backyard with his kids. He can play with his kids. And not to worry about them playing in the front yard either. And so that's the things that you're going to talk about. Hey, look, and he has two young kids. So I want to talk about that and reiterate that. What was I doing there? Well, I'm reframing him and anchoring him why it's a good decision. Okay? You take the negative and you find a way to make it to a positive, And all of a sudden, how you usually do that is you go back to their why. Now, if I don't know their why, I guess what's a big problem because i got to be aware of that. Most people don't understand the importance of this. This is how you hold deals together. You write it in the notes initially what their why is, why it's so important. Thankfully, I knew this person where I knew how to go and what to ask the right questions on. In that scenario. Here, fourth piece, I want to make sure I'm outcome focused at all times. What does that mean? Outcome focused at all times. Yes. I have finish line focus with my people all the time. I'm always talking about what? The finish line. What's going to be like at the finish line? Hey, I don't understand it's paying the ass now, but here's the deal. Let's talk about and think about how amazing it's going to be when you get your family in this house. You have your home, own home, your own, own home ownership. You're building your own home, home equity, right? You're able to put your own fence up if you want to, any type of fence you want. You can play with your kids, build those memories that last a lifetime while you're building equity for you and your family as well, and you're changing generational wealth with home ownership, whatever it is. That's a first-time home buyer who's buying with his kids, right? And you want to remind them because here's the thing. Like, dude made in that example, he was so stressed out about shit, you can just see it on his face. The ups and the downs. Does this mean we're good? Does this mean we're not good? A lot of times they're fearful, especially first-time homebuyers, that they're going to get the rug ripped out for them in the very last minute. And so my job is to re reassure them the entire process that everything's going to be okay. We're going to guide you through this. It's going to be all right. Second piece here. I'm picking my right battles. Pick right battles. This is one of the biggest reasons I see deals blow up on the buy side. As a listing agent who's done you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals on the listing side, I see this happen all the time. You ever have certain people that you do deal with, deal with, deals with, you know it's going to be difficult? Of people, right? And what do you notice the patterns of the people? They're world savers. And what does that mean? Everything they do, they fight for everything. And it doesn't bring, they think it's good for their client, but it's actually not good for their client. 
and we talk about this all the time, they're fighting over dumb shit that doesn't matter because they just want to argue everything, negotiate everything because their only value to their client is I'm going to negotiate the best deal for you. But always, that's not always the best deal. Sorry, that's not always the best outcome for the client. The best outcome for the client is to get the property they want at the best possible price. Not lose out on it because you're asking for dumb shit over and over and over. Third piece here, pain versus, pain versus pleasure. What does that mean? Pain versus pleasure. They're going to deal with pain. I'm going to let them know, hey, look, the pain we're going through right now is what? It's temporary, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. I have to know what their pleasure piece is so I can use that and go back and reframe them on why this pain we're having is going to be worth it. I know it's very difficult. I know it's very frustrating. I know you feel like that. Hey, look, they're, they're, everybody's against you, but I want you to know this is going to be worth it. When you're in the backyard with your kids, when you're doing the putting on the green behind your house, all this pain we're going through is going to be worth it. This part of my outcome focus here is I need to understand what is their pleasure they're looking for, what is the pain they're avoiding their life to. And so there's a pain that they're avoiding when they're buying a house or selling a house. I want to make sure I go back and access that and talk about how we're going to get away from that pain and get to the pleasure they're looking for going forward. And the fourth piece here I want you to constantly remind through this process is I care. What does that mean? Why is that in there? Why is it anything? Care about two things you need to reiterate. I care about you, I care about the outcome. How many deals you ever been in? The buyer tells you, well, I feel like you're not representing me, you're representing the seller. Anybody ever get that? I, I get a lot. I get it when they come complain to me about you guys. I feel like so and so wasn't even representing me, they're just helping out the seller. And I deal on the listing side, what do they say? Well, I feel like you didn't care about me, you just represent the buyer. Why? Because their emotional powder keg is so filled with fear and anxiety and issues, their perception of how they see everything is thinking that everyone's against them. The agent's against them, the buyer's against them, the seller's against them, whatever it is. And so my job here is to re remind them that, hey, I care about you and I care about this outcome. 